Our God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with treats. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Welcome to another riveting, exciting episode of The God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirla. If you want to contact us by phone and leave a message, area code 626-593-7713. That's 626-593-7713. The website, Bill? www.godwhisperers.com. And the email address is godwhisperers at gmail.com. At gmail.com. We are talking today about the Lord's Prayer. I think one of the first things that we need to talk about is it's the Lord's. It is It is the Lord's Prayer. Ready, discuss. So, so, <laughs> sometimes called the Our Father for, right. for its first... Uh, you know, I actually think that the proper Lord's Prayer is what's prayed in John 17. That's that's the prayer only the Lord can pray. I'm, okay, now I'm not thinking clearly. What, what, which prayer is that? <laughs> his high priestly prayer in the in in is as he's approaching his uh, his betrayal into death, and he prays uh, to the Father, and he prays for his apostles, and he prays for those who believe through his word. That's his high priestly intercession that they may be one, as as the he and the Father are one, but but only he can pray that one. The Our Father is the one he gave us to pray. Okay, so just you know, I'm just I'm throwing out a little uh, tweaky spin there just to throw you off. Perhaps we should start with the Bible, since that's where the Word comes from, right? That's where the prayer is found. Right. Well, the Word is is in the Word there, and and there there we have it. But if you would open your Bibles, please, to Matthew, (laughs) the sixth chapter, starting at verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And then we go into fasting and treasures in heaven and all sorts right, of stuff. Right, right. This is what I call the, the, the PDP section. PDP? Mm-hmm. In, in high school, we had no, we had, uh, there were strict uh, prohibitions of PDA, public displays of affection. Oh, so, okay. so you, you couldn't neck with your girlfriend in front of your locker. Right. You know the hall monitors would come and nail you, and you'd be uh, thrown into double double secret probation by the vice principal or something. So this is Jesus PDP, no public displays of piety in order to be seen by men, right? Um, you know, and, and he's looking at the traditional Jewish pieties of almsgiving and then prayer and then fasting. And uh, you just read the thing on prayer, 
And there are really two critiques. One is the religious hypocrites, the, the actors, the ones who are outwardly one thing and inwardly something else, who uh, make it a point to be uh, caught on the street corners at the hour of prayer, which is, that's impressive. You know, just kind of stop right there in the middle of the street and pull out your prayer rug and, and have at it. Hence, modern-day TV evangelists or the God Whisperers, either one. <laughs> we, we, how do we fit into that? I don't know. We, we're, we're just publicly displaying our, well, I don't know if you call it piety. In, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, if, if you do, we're in big trouble. And then, then the other critique of Jesus is, is to the, the pagans, and it's a completely different, you know, pagans, yeah. pagans pray too. That's the one that jumps out at me the most here. And this is amazing to me because... because uh, Prayer is not a distinctively Christian activity. Everybody who gets religious prays. Right. But how you pray, that's right. that's a big difference. Well, we have here that we shouldn't use many words. Uh, God's not going to hear us because we, we keep babbling and carrying on. Right? Verbal bribery. Right, <laughs> right. If, if you give me what I want, I'll shut up. Well, I, I like, I like the, 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 the Greek word for it sounds like what it is. What's, what's, the, what's that word when something sounds like it is? Synonym. No, that's that's two words. Oh no 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 no! I know what you're saying. Um, mm, I, I'm, I'm, uh, you asked me. That's no, not onomatopoeia, is no, it? No, no, no. <laughs> we need a lit major here. Uh, but anyway, but it, it's botologia, botologia, which kind of sounds like you know that kind of. <laughs> and and I really think that's what's going on here. It's not so much that they're piling up a lot of uh, they're transacting. You know, ask God a lot of times, but it's this kind of ecstatic incoherent speech that mm. is is valued in pagan religions where the god takes over from you and 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 you, you just lose control so it's a prayer language you might say Ooh. um but but the idea is that by these empty phrases these meaningless phrases being being heaped up or this babbling really it's just it's just it's babbling uh, that God is impressed by that and and Jesus says mm, no think again that that's that doesn't impress God at all I don't know why that would be impressive. You I don't know, just, but they think they will be heard for their many words. You know, Martin Luther uh, talked about prayer an awful lot. One of the things that he said is, many words makes for poor prayer. Yeah, he's got... But, but then he would write, just keep a, going on. There's a, I think it's from that letter to Peter his barber, or to Peter the barber, where he says, many words and little meaning is pagan. And few words rich in meaning is Christian. Right. And, and I think that kind of starting to get to the, the heart of it here is that the Christian prays in a rather terse, direct, to the point, not messing around. This a, is what's on my mind. A purpose-driven prayer. It's purpose-driven. There, there's, a, there's a purpose there. We're getting you, to that, it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, but you have that twin critique is, is don't pray to be seen by men, but that's, that is intimate conversation between you and your father in heaven and uh which i don't know what, what do you what do you think of like the the prayer at mcdonald's then what does that do to that sometimes i think uh, a nice quiet unassuming uh, prayer is is most appropriate in public like that the, the whole now i know you're a big you know sign of the cross kind of guy and stuff i sometimes think that in public maybe it's a bit pretentious but uh well, you know, even, i think you're a bit gen- i genuflect before the lunch too so it's, <laughs> it's just it's it's an, it's an i remember one time I, I i i can't remember whether i was in some kind of uh, one of these generic restaurants and there was a church youth group there 
at, at the table next to us, and, and the youth minister was leading the group in prayer. And this went on for probably a good 10 minutes. Or oh, yeah. So. I thought they were going to take an offering afterwards or something. I, it, it just, <laughs> it, and, and that really got intrusive. At, at that point, it was very clear that he was praying so all of us pagans sitting there would also hear the prayer. He was, nice. just, he was evangelizing the restaurant. And and I think that runs afoul of what Jesus is saying because what what do people think when they when they hear a prayer like that? A overly pious zealot weirdo. Or or man, he is religious. Uh, you know, that that dude is re- well. I think, gee, I'm not nearly so religious as that. You know, I just kind of rifle off a prayer and yeah, I make the sign of the cross. I can't stop myself. But. <laughs> <laughs> small I, one though, it's a small sign. I, of the cross. I think you know if you're making the big production like that, people are probably just put off. By your faith altogether, but yeah. that's you know that's just, just me. Just just sealing the faith that they're never going to talk to a Christian, right? Never darken the doors of a church because people like you do stuff like that. So. And you know that that verse seven, don't heap up your empty phrases, don't engage in bodologia. I really got to wonder whether what passes as prayer in charismatic churches just runs roughshod over this passage. Well, that's one thing that I, I always laugh uh, on Sundays after church. The last Sunday of the month, we have a little sandwich supper and. We all gather in the basement, and we we actually have a basement in California. Go figure. But uh, nobody <laughs> what, has a basement in California. In case you have California. a tornado. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll gather, and uh, I'll ask uh, the Lord's blessing. I'll usually do the table prayer from the catechism. And everybody always comments, Pastor, your prayers are really short, and we like that because we're ready to eat now. Yeah. You know, it's, we, we don't want the Lord. We just ask that, oh, Uncle Bob, Lord, he, he needs to know you. And Aunt Sally, God bless her heart. She's got an ingrown toenail. And, yeah. And, and, oh, yeah, and bless his food. You there, know, it just goes on and on and on. There's and some guy going into diabetic shock, right. you know, and he's saying, <laughs> when will this end, Lord? Please make we're it end. We're hungry, <laughs> and is there a point here? You know, see, I, I'm I'm a lifelong Lutheran. I, I grew up. In fact, uh, okay, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it for public consumption. Uh-oh. But we we never prayed much at home. Uh, I, I've noticed that that since I went to the seminary and became a pastor, now all of a sudden when I'm when I'm at home, you know, the family gets religious and they're right. they're praying, and I right. I kind of look at them. And say, since when did we start doing that in this house? <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, you know, I am accustomed to a, a very kind of short, sweet, to the point approach to prayer, yeah. and and that's not to say we didn't pray at home. We always prayed before we went to bed and and that kind of thing. But but we're accustomed to reading prayers out of a prayer book. Mm-hmm. We're accustomed to some of the memorized prayers that we learned, the you know, even the simple rhymey, the come Lord Jesus, be our guest, uh, and, and that kind of prayer. And we're, we probably aren't as good as most people at, at praying just kind of free, freestyle. I, I've noticed Lutherans are a little hesitant to do that one. Well, why is that? I, I think part of it is we're, we're nervous around those, those what they call ex corde prayers, prayers right. from the heart, because right. we know what comes out of the heart. Yeah, also murder, adultery, right. you know, false witness, theft, slander. Uh, so we understand the condition of the heart pretty well. And, and I think the other reason is that, that we're not terribly practiced at it. We don't see a lot of good models uh, mm. for it. Uh, I like to give people some simple outlines for prayer where they can kind of on the spot pray in a way that's, that's direct to the point, makes sense. And uh, also kind of is free enough to accommodate the situation, too. Well, one of the few things that I learned that was of value in the practical theology department at the seminary. and, and it, you, you learned something in the practical well, department? Maybe practical. two or three things. But one of, one of the things was how to form a collect. 
Oh, yeah. And and that's really helpful when you want to pray. If you know how to form a prayer uh, that that has a beginning, a middle, and an end, it's, it's actually quite helpful. And the Lord's Prayer is, is a really good outline for that also. Yeah, Luther, Luther said that the Lord's Prayer is, is, first of all, it's the perfect prayer. It's taught by the Son of God himself. Hard to go wrong there. Hard to go wrong with that one. And second of all, it is the perfect outline for prayer because it, it gives the entire agenda for prayer. And he actually showed his barber how he could take each of those petitions and turn them into kind of a fourfold prayer. Uh, on it on its own so so there's literally a lifetime of prayer encapsulated in in the lord's prayer that's pretty cool to think about that that you, you know you can take each petition pray the petition individually expound on the petition how that's applying to you today and how the lord is working these things or how you need more of these things in your life and and so forth and so on it, it's it's really really cool and just to pray the whole catechism itself is also pretty cool, and we'll probably get into that on another episode. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't be bad to talk to at some po- talk about at some point since we're going through the catechism. Is, yeah, is I think it was Wilhelm Leia, a 19th century Lutheran pastor from Bavaria, who noticed that the that Luther's catechism is about the only catechism in the history of Christianity that can actually be prayed. Yeah, used as a platform for prayer. That's very cool. You know, I wouldn't try to pray the Heidelberg Catechism. I'm telling you right now, that, that's gonna <laughs> the Roman Catholic Catechism. Pray oh, that, that thing! Well, that either. thing is dense. Uh, that's huge. That, that, that's talk enormous... about many words. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, prayer. The, 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 a thought from the large Catechism too. Why pray? Uh, Luther gives four good reasons. One, God commands it. It's not an option. Right. Call upon me in the day of trouble. And uh, also, second, God's promise, and I will deliver you. So his command and his promise, it always goes together. And it's really an exercise of, of what, the, the, the second commandment. Yeah, right. Uh, it's the use of God's name to call upon in every trouble, pray, praise, give thanks. Right, God gives us a name for a reason. Yeah. It, it, if, if God didn't want us to talk to him, he wouldn't have given us his name. Yeah, it's a right? little bit like sticking a million bucks in the bank in your name and giving you an ATM card. Uh, there's an intent there you're going to use it. Right, right. And so he, he gives you his name, and he says, now you call upon it in every trouble and pray, praise, and give thanks, worship. And, uh, and we say, well, no, I don't really feel like it. <laughs> so, but his command and his promise, Luther says God, God also takes the initiative. He doesn't wait around for us to figure out this language of prayer. But instead, uh, he takes the initiative and teaches it. That's pretty cool. And then, lastly, that he gives us the words. We don't. Where is it? It's in, in Romans, where we don't naturally know how to pray. Romans eight. But it's the Spirit that 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 deals with our prayers, and we don't have the lang- the vocabulary for prayer. I don't care how good your vocabulary is, but Jesus says to his disciples and to us, "When you pray, pray this way." Well, and that's really what's so amazingly cool about this is once again going back to that whole ex corde out of the heart kind of prayer if it's coming out of me i can never be sure that i'm praying right i can never be sure that what i'm saying is appropriate or what i'm saying isn't just flat out sinful but if i'm speaking god's word back to him i know that i've got it right i can't go wrong telling god what he's already told me yeah when you pray the lord's prayer you are praying the gold standard. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's taught by the Son of God, so who's going to quibble? This is perfect, and this covers every need. I think that's one thing we'll kind of recognize as we go through the petition, is there's no stone left unturned here. 
Right. I mean, it's it's short, and and a lot of things are are just compact, but but uh, there is nothing left out. That's why I always like. I don't know what you do when you when you pray with somebody, hospital visit or or whatever. But I always include the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, in that. It, it's kind of like the great covering prayer in case I I forgot something, <laughs> didn't get it right, whatever. I've got full confidence that this thing is heard and loved by our Father in Heaven. What about prayer books? We're, we're pretty big on having uh, pre-written prayers and that sort of thing. Is it a really a good idea to have prayer books or, or not so much? I don't know. What do you think on that? I mean, you, I, I kind of think you, it is. You like them? I do, because they're thought out. I, I love the prayers that are in our hymnal. Right. Uh, many of them are historic or they've, they've come... They've come traditionally to us, and we've kind of, you know, made them meet modern emission standards and everything. But they're 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 good. Uh, I understand that CPH is coming out with a, a Lutheran, oh, it's a Treasury of Daily Prayer or something. Uh, it, uh, the title, I'm, I'm a little off on the title, but uh, it has uh, daily readings and collects and right. you know, just prayers again. Um, yeah, I think it's good. It it enriches your vocabulary. How do you build up a vocabulary? You read, right? I have one that was is is a collection of Martin Luther's prayers, and mm-hmm. I think that's just really fun to go through, and and not just fun but profound. The uh, one of the most impressive of that collection in in the Lutheran tradition is is Gerhardt's uh, Johann yes. Gerhardt's Oh gosh, uh, yes. Meditations on Divine Mercy. Yeah, I've done that for Lenten uh, series. I've just done sermons based on his prayers. Basically. These yeah, these are amazing prayers. Yes. And and when you think that he was like twenty three or twenty four when he wrote these things too, well, he died young, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did. But he was like thirty five or if, something. Like if that? I if I remember correctly from the intro, these are prayers that he wrote in his early twenties, and they are deep. Yeah, and I think it's a wonderful thing to to pray. You know, there are Christians who want to pray to saints or talk about praying with the saints. No finer way to pray with the saints than to take their words and make them your own and add your amen to their prayers. Certainly. And have them instruct you in this, this vocabulary of prayer. I think it's wonderful. That book is, is one of the finest prayer books that I've ever seen. I, I just adore that book because Gerhardt confesses so boldly his sin and he, confess, he confesses so much more boldly his Savior in his prayers. Yeah, there's a, there's a real law-gospel dynamic yeah. in all those prayers. And well, not I, just that, but there's, they are sermons. Yeah. They're prayers they, that are sermons. They, they, yeah, they're, that's a good way of saying it. They're, they're, yeah. they're prayed sermons. Just amazing. So the Our Father, um, there's some interesting structural things with it. Well, one is that it, it, it has this divine, happy, lucky number seven. It's seven, <laughs> seven petitions. Uh, beginning with uh, "Hallowed be Thy name" and uh, ending with uh, "Deliver us from evil" or the evil one, as, as you read. And so, when you get whenever you get a seven, then you get a, a symmetry. It's a symmetrical structure. So you get uh, you get three petitions that deal with God, name, will, and kingdom, and you get three petitions that deal with our salvation. And that is forgiveness, temptation, and deliverance from evil or the evil one. And then you get. The uh, the petition on daily bread as as the center of the hinge petition. So it has a nice kind of symmetrical structure to it. We we understand in that that God is providing everything for us, from from a God all the way through our daily needs and even into salvation. Salvation. Yeah, it's comprehensive too. I I love the fact that it doesn't begin with our need, 
but it begins with God, stuff about God, his name, his will, his kingdom. Mm. Normally people are accustomed, when do you pray most is when you need something. So I'm sick and I need to get well, or I'm poor and I need money, or I'm out of work and I need a job. So it begins with our need. But Jesus teaches us to begin our prayer with God, that the most important things to pray about, his name, his will, and his kingdom. Hmm. Or his the name is Kingdom Will. I'll get this. I'll get this in right order one of these days. <laughs> there, there are actually, and I, I know you aren't real excited about talking about this, but two different versions of this prayer in the Bible. In the other place, the disciples say, "Teach us to pray." How, how we we see how they do it. How, how would you have us do it? Yeah, I think they actually say, you know, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Right. right. Um, acknowledging prayer is a taught thing. Yeah. God has to teach us how to pray. Is this an entirely different historical narrative, or is this all part of the same historical about narrative? By, yeah, by two different perspectives. I don't know. I mean, it all, it, it's, it, Luke has the Sermon on the Plain, and Jesus has the Sermon on the Mount. Now, some would say it's the same. You, you mean Matthew. Uh, Matt, what did I say? You said Jesus. Oh, Je- he, he had both, actually. <laughs> yeah, he did. He had both. <laughs> um, no, Matthew has the Sermon on the Mount, and I, he's presenting Jesus in a slightly different way than Luke does. Uh, some would say it's the same material, and Matthew and Luke have tweaked it to their own... Um, Audience? Yeah, something yeah. like that. I, I tend to go with the Jesus as as preacher who recycles his material. Yeah. And I, I've got no problem with, with Matthew, Sermon on the Mount, that's one event, and Luke, Sermon on the Flat Place, that's another event. And there's some overlap and a lot of recycled material, and that's I, good. That's fine. I don't know about you, but I beat certain illustrations to death in the pulpit. Oh, yeah. It, no, I'm, at, at my age, I repeat myself a lot now. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you, you know you've used it too much when your parishioners are lipping it with you as you're saying it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an old joke. We already know the punchline, but yeah. we love to hear it. So. We, we know Uncle Bob. We've heard that a hundred times. We know. <laughs> the um the the traditional text though for the Our Father comes from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew what right. you just read, uh, although people probably notice some differences along the way. The the one is uh, we're accustomed to say trespasses, and I don't know. You were reading the NIV. I think it says debt. Yeah, what does it is say it debt? there? Uh, debt. Yes, yeah. debt. Which is correct. Yeah. the the word The word there is not. Um, it's ofe lemata, which are which is debts. Uh, and it's a different nuance on sin than harmartia, which is missing the mark. This is uh, being at a disadvantaged position. You owe. You right. owe God. And uh, it ties into Matthew 18 with the king who forgives this huge debt to a servant who in turn refuses to forgive a little debt. Yeah, what a, what a jerk. That one, yes. <laughs> which Jesus, I think, is kind of, he leads up to that in those last verses about forgiving and not forgiving. And, and, and that kind of thing. The other thing that comes up is evil and the evil one, verse 13, right, right. Uh, which can go either way because you don't know from, from that text whether it's, it's evil. I wish I had the Greek in front of me here. I, I'm... I do. Oh. <laughs> Apo tu poneru. You really have this memorized in the Greek. You're coming up with all this stuff. I actually you do. You have but... it in front of you. <laughs> uh... I, have it, I have it to remind me of what I already know. All right. Mr. Show Off. <laughs> he says humbly. But you know, you can't tell evil or evil one, but does it really matter? It, is it just the evil? Is that what it is there? 
What or evil it? one. I mean, it's it's a it's 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 either neuter or masculine, okay. uh, but you can't really quite tell here. Yeah. Well, actually, it's a, it's it's a masculine noun, but it, but the evil and the evil one, and there's a definite article there. So it's not what it is not actually. It's not deliver us from evil. Okay. From the evil. From the evil. Or from the evil one. And that's why I think evil one. If I'm voting on this, evil one is much well, better. Well, if if it's, it's definite. If it's in a noun form, then you would assume because evil is not a substance. I mean, it's not like there's a evil ooze in the world, right? But, you know, so yeah, we're it, not dualists. There's no such thing as evil in and of itself, right? It's, I don't know where that came from. E- evil is misused good. Okay, try that. Smoke that one for a while. Yeah, uh, but that's what I'm saying is it's <laughs> it's not a noun, e- right? E- you know, so the well, evil, evil is evil is a noun, but it's abstract. There's no there's no sense of when you say deliver from evil. What does that ah, mean? You're right. I'm not thinking clearly, but I, I repent. The last thing textually is is the old Protestant Catholic thing. For okay. thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You and said ever. you didn't want to talk about that. I didn't say that. I want I, to bring I that up before the show. You, you, I didn't want to talk about Luke, and you brought that up. Oh, so. All right, I'm, I'm seeing I'm you're wrong. not bringing up something and raising uh, you yeah, by bringing up something else. Alzheimer's at 44, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, that, that business, <laughs> that for thine is the kingdom, we don't even have an amen. Jesus doesn't even deliver an amen in, in the Sermon on the Mount. But uh, we, th- that phrase is from the second century, and it's evidence that already in the second century, uh, this prayer was prayed liturgically. So it was prayed as some kind of corporate prayer in the assembly when the church gathered for worship, uh, probably by having the the leader, the pastor, pray the Our Father and the people saying, "For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory." Which that kind of that's from Revelation, right? Uh, Forever and ever, Amen. So they add their doxology and Amen to that. But the fact that that's traced along with the Our Father for so long is evidence that from early the early centuries, this was a liturgical prayer. It was recognized as something that the church prayed. One of the things that jumps out at me at this text is that this prayer comes right in the middle of a section of instruction, that, that there's a sermon and instruction going on here. And Jesus, he, he says, this is how you should pray. He gives us the Lord's Prayer, and then he goes on and he says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And he, he just kind of continues on in the instruction. He doesn't He doesn't say, okay, everybody stop and fold your hands. And yeah, let's have a prayer moment. And, and, you know, <laughs> it, it, and, and that's interesting. And I think that that shows that sometimes our prayers don't have to be terribly formal. Uh, we can pray throughout the day. We can pray uh, as we go about our vocations. That uh, we can live a life of prayer. We don't have to stop and get on our knees and bow our heads and fold our hands. We can simply form prayers as we go about. Give God praise. Tell Him about all our needs and our cares. But that doesn't mean that we should do it in a formless way. We should do it with care. Well, you have Paul saying, "Pray without ceasing." Right. And you start to, well, how am I going to carry on anything else in my life if all I'm doing is praying? And uh, and I think that's where the diversity of prayer in Lutheranism makes a lot of sense. There's a time and a place for formal prayer. And when the church is assembled, that's not the time for informal personal prayers. 
Right. And that's and that's why I think that that's that's why the the collects that we have, those prayers that that summarize and encapsulate things, those are great because because the, these are not personal appeals. These are corporate prayers. This is the whole church at prayer. We'll get back to that right after this message. Welcome back to the God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirlow. When we left off, Bill was starting to get into the whole idea of corporate prayer and us praying together and praying with God and a bunch of other stuff. And during the break, he said something pretty cool about this. Uh, why don't you share with our listening audience what was going through your massive brain? <laughs> the, um, the thing that impresses you about the Lord's Prayer when you look at it, it it's all in the plural. You, you always pray in the plural. So you don't say my Father in heaven, you say our Father. You don't say uh, forgive me my trespasses, you say forgive us our trespasses. And you have this sense here is that one never prays this prayer alone. Mm. You know, that uh, first of all, it's Jesus who's teaching it and saying it, so he's praying along with us. He said, when you pray to my Father, you say our Father. So that's that's an invitation. Uh, Jesus is our brother, and we're praying as the family of God here. Uh, but we always pray together, even when we're in our, our, in our closet, you know, as Jesus says, go to your room and pray in secret. Even when you're praying in isolation, you're never in isolation. And that's so counter to the way people think of prayer, yeah. as, as a personal meditation, individual, get into yourself kind of thing. Uh, when Jesus teaches prayer, it's get out of yourself hmm. and pray our. That our Father brings us into the whole kingdom of heaven. Not not just in fellowship with Jesus, but with all the saints mm-hmm. at the same time, because this is the prayer of the church, and we're just part of the church. Well, you know, and it, it fits with the whole image of the church. There's no image of the church in the Bible that's individual. Right. It's not, I am the church, you are the church. No, wrong. It's, it's that we aggregate, aggregate, aggregately together are the body of Christ. Right. And and this prayer is is this is the church's prayer. This is the prayer that that the Lord lays on His church, and we are given to pray it as a corporate whole. And so we're praying this in with with all the Christians who have ever gone before us. It has been two thousand years of, the, of of praying of this prayer, and we're just joining in that chorus. And and all the believers that are alive today and praying it, we are praying all together with them, the whole church. You know, a, a lot of churches tell us you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And what that sounds like is a real Lone Ranger Christianity sometimes, where it's it's just me and Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're hanging out, me and Jesus. We're going to the beach, me and Jesus. And we don't really need to go to church because that's too much us and Jesus. But the reality is our faith is me and Jesus, or Jesus and me. I'd rather put him first. And Jesus and us. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't, uh, I'm not a me without an us. Personal, but not private. Right. It's it's the private Jesus that gets you in trouble, you know, and and that's where it becomes. I'm I'm just this religion unto myself, and it's all about me and Jesus, and usually in that order. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and and this this way of praying gets us out of that mode entirely. You know, it's 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 not my, it's our. It's not just about my sins or my daily bread, but it's about your daily bread and the daily bread of everybody. 
Um, you know, there's a notion here too. Uh, there's a there's a mission hymn. It's an evening hymn that talks about the voice of prayer is never silent, and uh, people had this notion of in in prior centuries that as we slept. On the other side of the world, there were people praying the Our Father on our behalf. So they're they're kind of pulling their oar for a while. And so this prayer is being heard continually throughout the world. There is never a a moment when the Our Father is not being raised up somewhere in the world. I think that's kind of an amazing concept. That is really cool because even when I'm not praying... The hour is going out. The church and, is and it, praying, and I'm still part of the hour. Exactly. Even if I'm not exactly. praying, I'm part of the prayer. I'm, I'm part of what's going on in the prayer. That's really, really cool. And that's like why that. that's why to be unified in a prayer like that makes totally good sense. Yeah. That 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 Jesus should give his church a prayer that they can all pray together at all times and in all places. And and so you have it's it's the true Catholicity. It's part of the Catholicity of the Church that universally wherever wherever Christ is named, this prayer is raised up. You know, I it it conjures up thoughts in my head. If I were thrown into a dungeon somewhere and in deep dark despair, and all of a sudden I realized the Church is praying for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe not by name, but the Church is praying for me. That's right. You, you are embraced. Me. You are embraced in the hour. And as I pray the prayer, we're all together. We're all praying. My supervisor on, on Vicarage gave a nice image that I repeat sometimes about. This is a family prayer, our Father. Right. It's not the usual way of praying. In, in, in Judaism, you prayed uh, to God as king, Lord God, king of the universe, you know, blessed art thou, and you're just heaping on. It's like you're groveling. You're coming in before a king who could snuff you, and you, you just, you're just groveling before him. But Jesus says, no, no, you pray like little children hmm. and say, Papa. Our, our yeah. father. Uh, but my, uh, my supervisor on, on my vicarage said, it's, it's like the father is sitting in his favorite easy chair watching the football game, maybe. He doesn't want to be bugged. <laughs> and the phone rings. You know, it's our prayers coming. And, and the son picks it up. And he says, Dad, you got to take it. It's one of the family. <laughs> and I love that, you know. You, you never say you don't say no to when family calls. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah, you know, it, it may not be convenient, but Dad, it's one of the family. Got to, got to, got to, got to pick it up. That's really, really cool. I, you know, I, I talk a lot about my dad on this show, and uh, my dad was a very busy man. He was a doctor, but I always knew that when I was at home, if I had a problem, I could call Dad. And unless if he was carving into someone or, you know, doing something, you know, really intense, he'd step out of the office and take my call. Mm. And and to have a good father and you recognize this sort of thing, it's really uh, that much more amazing that, that our father in heaven would <laughs> put aside things just to hear us. And this is a rare way of addressing God. And not only in the tradition of, of Judaism and, and its prayers that addressed God, addressed God in a rather transcendent and sovereign sort of way, the God who's enthroned and you don't, you don't mess with him. You can come to him, but you, you better, better be careful. Uh, but rarely in the Old Testament do you hear the word father attached to God. And I think part of the reason is the Baal cults, because Baal means father. And so you know, they didn't want to mess with that, confusing the yeah. God of Israel with Baal. And so, so a lot of, although Hosea does, Hosea plays, plays with that because, because God says, no, I'm really father. 
you know, you're praying to Baal. I'm, 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 I'm the real deal. That's that's a phony one there. That ain't your daddy. <laughs> there, there seem to be a lot of different Baal cults. That or, yeah, we or, had local versions. Yeah, local denominations of the of the the religion. But but uh, but you didn't address God as Father. And I think in Jesus' day, when he taught this, people would have stepped back and said, Yeah, that's a really cheeky way of talking to God. Yeah, that's dangerous. It, it, yeah, I, I'm trying to think in the Old Testament if God is referred to as our Father anywhere. I, I'm, I'm, well, I'm he peeling to, my brain a bit here. He refers to Israel as his son, and, okay. and out of Egypt I've called my son. So, so he ta- But that's Hosea. Right. See? Uh, but he takes on, once in a while you'll, you'll hear the, the Father image, but it's exceedingly rare. I think I counted four times, and I can't remember where they are now, but... But four times where Father is is the image that's portrayed of God. Now in the New Testament, see, now you've got the Son in the flesh. And so things change a little bit because now he reveals the Father to us. And and so this prayer is part and parcel of that. He he wants us now to come to God as little children and say, Papa, say our Father. And it's a it's a totally different paradigm for prayer, really. If you think about it, it's so much more liberating than any prayer that the Jews would have known, because you you can have this assurity. And and we get into this as we uh, get into the whole thing, uh, the whole prayer that we begin with, "Our Father who art in heaven," and that God gives us this position where we can approach Him like I used to call my dad, mm-hmm. you know, at the office. And, and God wants to hear our voices. He's very concerned about us. The, the trouble that comes in when you don't have that kind of image of dad, as, yeah. as you described, or as I would have had as well, same thing, but where your father on earth perhaps uh, mistreated you, abandoned you, yeah. abused you. Yeah. And this then becomes a difficult prayer, and that's why the in heaven is so important. We sure. we are we are almost called. If your earthly father has fallen far short, then you're called to look beyond that. To you actually have a father like you're describing, one who always has time to listen to you, one who is fully attentive to your needs. But he is in heaven, and and so so it it, it that's tricky though for people who have bad images of father. It certainly is, and and it's amazing also. For those who are parents, they still see God as a judgmental, wrathful God a lot of times. And if you look at them and say, what would you do for your children? Would you listen to them? Would you make time for them? Oh, sure, I would. But, you know, God, he... he He's he's mad at me for being a sinner or something like mm-hmm. that. No, he's not. He's he's your dad, and he, he loves you. He wants to hear your voice. And to consider that we often think that we are more loving or gracious than God is really a disturbing thought. Yeah, Jesus had that that teaching where he talks about which of the fathers among you, if your your son asked for a fish, would give him a scorpion, right. or if he asked for an egg, would give him a snake. And he says, though you guys being evil... You yeah. know to give good gifts to your sons. You how much do that? How much more? How exactly. much more your good father in heaven knows to give the good gift and in one text specifically the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him. So Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. So I, I think we should move to the, the catechism on that yeah, actually. I was just looking down at it. That yeah. was that was good timing. And and the catechism deals with the, with each portion of the Our Father. Of course, in in the catechism, the Our Father is introduced as 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 a whole, as a unity, and then um, 
it begins with the introduction, namely, Our Father Who Art in Heaven. And do you have the meeting in front? You want to read that one? Well, uh, let's see. Or not. I've, I, I've, got, I've got the Ferdy here. Here. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do I've got one. it. No, I've, Go ahead. I've got Go it. Ahead. The, that is the, the meaning of Our Father Who Art in Heaven. Uh, with these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true father and that we are his true children so that with all boldness and confidence we may ask him as dear children ask their dear father. And boy, that, that just conjures up all the images that you just described. Dear children yeah. coming to bugging their dear father with, with all the boldness and confidence of a little child. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was admiring was, you reading over I was, there. I was, I was looking down and you stopped talking. So, <laughs> <laughs> Which is rare. Uh, I, I'm looking at, uh, at Ferdy here. You know, one of the things that he points out, and, and I'd like to see what you make of this, is he says, we pray for our Father. What does he mean? And I, I, what, he, what he means here, I think, is that uh, we are recognizing that he is our Father, and we are praying that we would keep him as our father in our hearts as well, mm. that, that we are praying that he would continue to bless us and so forth and so on, that we would recognize him as our father and that he would... Uh, well, he gets into this also in the first petition, so I'll, I'll hold off on You're that. You're going to reserve that? For I'm, I'm going to put that in reserve. So. I, I, I look at the... I, you look at parents of young children... And what joy they have when their children come to them and just say these little words back to them. They, it's back talk. Prayer is back talk. Right. It's talking back to God. And, and so you, you, look, you look at just the sheer joy of a parent when, when a child comes and says, Mama, Papa, you know, and they have to get it videotaped and recorded, send it to all the relatives, put it up on the website. And uh, this is the nature of the Our Father is that God delights to hear the back talk of his children and his children saying back to him what he has given them to say. And so it, it really is that childlikeness of faith where we come to God knowing that he's the creator of the universe, that he could crush us like a bug, that, that he's almighty and, and, and all-knowing and present everywhere, and yet we say to him, our father, coming with boldness and confidence like little kids coming to their dad. And you're reading again. I love this. What is this, a library here? I, I, yeah, I, I got my stack of books here. Good I'm sorry. I, I just got sucked into that thing. <laughs> you were saying? Yeah. <laughs> I was saying. This is quality, quality broadcasting yeah. going on here right now. This is what happens when you broadcast from Palm Desert in the heat at a pastor's conference. And you're brain dead. <laughs> so we approach God with boldness. We come... Uh, before him and knowing that he wants to hear us so the barrier is broken here and we there's nothing between us and god at this point well and only jesus can do that no one comes to the father except through me he says right and his death and resurrection although this this is this is taught prior to his death and resurrection it always has to be seen in that light his death and resurrection makes this prayer possible I always love it. I've got a church with a lot of toddlers in it. Mm-hmm. I don't have any elementary school age kids. I don't have any junior hires. Uh, maybe a couple that are that age uh, and a few high school age kids, but mostly a bunch of little rugrats running around. And when we have communion, which is every week, uh, a lot of these toddlers, you know, they're, they're three years old or so, you know, they, they walk pretty well and everything. But 
they come up to the rail and they just kind of belly up to the bar. <laughs> and it's like, I belong here. I belong here. This is and my place. And they just place. stand there and lean up against the rail. Yeah. And it's like, I'm here. I belong here. And I think that God gets a kick out of that sort of thing. I know I sure do because they approach that altar and that rail knowing that that's their rail and that's their altar and that's the place where I come and and Jesus meets us here and this just you know it's just kind of the way it is and they come forward with joy and I I belong here yeah yeah I wish their 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 parents would come with that same sense yeah you know that I I belong here this is a great thing I'm one of the family. Um, think about the th- where, where do we pray the the Lord's prayer normally in in terms of church around communion? Yeah, it's it is the the prayer at the family table. Right, it's part of the Eucharistic prayers, so it's it's the prayers of the family, and then the second place we pray it is at baptisms. It's right. actually it's 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 given and prayed there, which means that in baptism you are now given permission to pray this way. There's a, a lot of sacramental stuff going on there. So we have all this going on around the sacraments, around the Lord's Supper, around baptism. We have it going on uh, at funerals. It's very uh, integral part, and that, not that that's a sacrament or anything. But it seems like in the worship of the church, uh, we have the Lord's Prayer as, as a very important centerpiece to our worship. What about in our daily lives, our daily worship of God in our lives? Well, I think there's probably, anybody who's grown up in a Christian household, that was probably the first prayer they learned, either from their mom or their dad, you know, along with the, now, now I lay me down to sleep. And <laughs> you beat me to it. I was just about to say. Bless because... Uncle Harry and, and uh, that, that kind of, but you know, the, I, I remember that. I don't even know when I learned the Our Father. I, I just know that I knew it. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just part of the, the vocabulary of prayer that you, you learn at home and you learn presumably at your mother's knee. Uh, if you follow the catechism pattern, you, you pray this prayer in the morning when you arise, in the evening when you go to sleep, and then at the noontime meal, uh, be- both before and after the meal, right. asking a blessing and returning thanks, you, you are to pray the Our Father. So if you tally it up, Luther would have you, excluding any ser- formal service, Luther would have you pray the prayer four times a day. And that's not considered to be what some call vain repetition, which is a, I, that's a... That's oh, yeah. A, vain repetition is, is a translation of that batalogia, which does not mean vain, empty repetition. It means piling on of phrases or babbling, but it, it doesn't mean repetition. <laughs> More of the we just. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we just... <laughs> I just notice the, notice how the, the Our Father doesn't start with we, but with thy. Yeah, it's, it's oh. a great corrective. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy, thy name. name. May right. your name be holy. Not we just think it would be peachy keen if your name were holy. <laughs> or not even make us holy. Or, 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 or help us to keep your name holy. We don't enter into this thing right away. Well, but yeah. You know, it's this declaration that your name is holy. If if we like it or not, no matter what we think or do with your name, it's holy. One of the one of the repetitive phrases from the catechism is is these things happen without our prayer of themselves. In other words, God does it whether we like it or not, whether we ask for it or not, whether we pray for it or not, which <laughs> then makes you kind of stop and think, well, why do we pray anyway? Well, that that goes along with the sun shines and the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. And, you know, God's going to do his work of general grace no matter what. And it seems that the evil, evil people, that being the unbelievers, 
actually benefit from God's grace, even though they hate God's grace. Yeah, and that's the nature of grace too. Yeah. It's undeserved kindness. Right. It's gra- It's kindness toward the enemy, and uh, and that's I think nowhere better revealed than that these things come to us even without our prayer, which causes us then to radically rethink what it is, what the purpose of prayer is. And it's not to get stuff from God. It's not, you know, God is vending machine. Let me plug in some nickels of prayer and praise and hope it comes out right. But it is conversation of God's children with their Heavenly Father. You know, a lot of people pray trying to get something from God. And we think that we can bargain with God. And I, I always think of Robert Farrar Capon and his book, The Mystery of Christ and Why We Don't Get It. And he, he never really addresses what people are doing that's sinful as they're talking to him, but rather he addresses their views of God. And we tend to approach God with all sorts of crazy ideas about who he is. But here, God wants to dispel all sorts of crazy notions that we have about him, that he's some sort of angry judge that we can just kind of barter with, you know, and if I do this, then, you know, turn your wrath away. If I if I don't do that, or if I give up this or some other thing, God will then do my bidding or or that sort of thing and as if god requires a sacrifice any longer i think i think there are the, the common theme is transaction capon uh, is big on that right. one that that transactionalism or bargaining with god transaction is that's the that's the mother of all religion yeah all religion is built around transacting with god i have to do something to him and in return he's going to do something for me and and i would say nowhere does transactionalism come into play more than in prayer and also in worship because that's where you that's those are the places where you see religion and i'm going to use that in a negative connotation religion rears its ugly head when we start talking to god whether it's in praise or in prayer and this idea that somehow we can, with the right combination of words and phrases and attitudes and everything else, we can get God's will to bend our will. We can make him yeah. we can make him do it our way. Yeah, and we see this in every world religion except one. Yeah, Christianity is the end of all transactions. It's it's the only unique religion that way that I'm aware of. I don't know of any other religions that God has done, ooh, hitting the microphone, God has done and is doing everything necessary, not just for our eternal life, but for our life here on earth also. Yeah, and it it reshapes prayer, because now prayer doesn't begin with us, right? but prayer begins with God, and, and it ends there too. So it's kind of a loop. God comes down to us in the flesh to teach us to pray. We don't know how to pray, but he teaches us, and the Spirit intercedes for us, carrying our words back to God. But it, it starts and it ends with God, and we're in on the loop. We're graciously in on the loop. God has chosen to include us. Right. And this is totally upside down from religion. Religion says, you got to learn the techniques for prayer. you got to burn the right flavor of incense. you got to offer your God something so he'll listen to you. And, uh, and in Christianity, God comes down to us, sacrifices himself, teaches his disciples to pray, prays on our behalf, and then promises that he's going to listen to every word and make sure his father's tuned in. I think it was Baal worship where they superheated the, the idol from the inside. 
Superheated idol, or is yeah. that Moloch? Mo- Moloch, that's who it Moloch was. Moloch was the one where you but, put your firstborn. Yeah, you put your child on the arms. That's right. But yeah. it wasn't Moloch was a Baal god, wasn't it? I no, I think that's a that's a that's, uh, a, that's a different you one know, again. Just like my geography, I can't keep my false gods. No, straight, now but. now so you'll remember this. Baal was the sex cult. Oh yeah, I like that. Yeah, no, that was now that was <laughs> that was wild religion there, man. That, that's the whole idea is that that Baal and his his girlfriend, his heavenly consort Asherah. Or Ash, yeah, Asherah, um, that is their union, their sexual union made the land fertile, and so you participated in that through messing around with temple prostitutes. So now you got a religion that's transactional wow. religion at its finest. I'm telling you right now. We've talked about how to bring men back into the church. I, th- I think that might actually <laughs> I, do the trick. You may <laughs> you may get them there, but it'll be for all the wrong reasons. I, that's, <laughs> Yeah, okay. wasn't okay. that a, wasn't that a lunchtime conversation? It was it was guy church. Yeah, guy you're, church. My my dream of the dude church. The dude church. Right. I, I mean, that makes me really, really. That makes me very uneasy. No, no just, women invited. Sorry, okay. sorry to my lovely wife Paula, but you're not invited. Guy church. Guy church, where we we drink beer and uh, you can be earthy from the pulpit, and nobody bristles or you know just just. Dude, church. Well, we don't drink beer, but I am earthy from the pulpit, so I guess I'm doing guy church. Nah, you're not as earthy as you could be, though. I, I hold back. <laughs> Although somebody once complained that that we we are, that we were very testosterone driven. That's fine. And and you know I'm thinking and and the problem with that is what? Yeah, you know, I, I don't I didn't understand what the problem was. I I thought it was a compliment. She meant it as a criticism. I, obviously, there was something going on there that I just didn't understand. Well, but. We were accused of being testosterone. Yeah, if, if you're looking for the estrogen-driven church, the Anglicans are down the street. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's a rough shot. That's oh. not. They're not here to defend themselves, and, and you just you just slam oh, them. Oh, that was rough. Uh, I think we need to get back. We need to get, brother. You need to get back to prayer. Maybe, maybe again. I need to repent of that yeah. one. Give, <laughs> anyway, I was, I was I, before we went off on this. I was talking about Molech and superheating the the idol and throwing your your child on the arms of the false god. This is the way that natural religion goes. Uh, we have to make these great sacrifices, make these earnest uh, motions toward our gods in order to garner their favor. But here we have a god who not only demands a sacrifice, but provides the sacrifice, is the sacrifice, and is the culmination of the sacrifice. And he says, no more sacrifice. I don't need it anymore. Right, right, and 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 prayer then is is reshaped. Now it is a gracious invitation. God tenderly invites us with yeah. these words to believe that He is our actual Father, and that we are truly His children, and and we're in this kind of relationship now. You don't bribe Dad, no, unless something's really gone wrong in your family. You're not bribing Dad. In fact, if anything, Dad's like a money machine. You know, whatever <laughs> you come to Dad, it's like Dad, I need some money. But but you come to him because he's the source. Right. You come to him because there's an expectation that he's going to take your needs in consideration here. And you, you don't have to earn an audience. You have it. You're entitled to it. You're, you're one of his kids. Yeah. And that just totally redefines prayer as far as I'm concerned. Well, And as Jesus was on the cross, the earth shook and the temple veil was torn in two. We now have that direct access to our Father. I always like to add my own little interpretive spin on that. Oh, that, that here comes the swirlism. Yeah, yeah, here it comes, is, is that God was literally tearing up. He's saying, I'm done with the temple. 
Wow. That's it. I'm, you know, from top to bottom, just tear this thing in two. I'm done with it. Now, it takes about 40 more years to clear the real estate off because the temple actually wasn't destroyed right. until 70 AD. Right. The but Romans God's, come in. God's not in a hurry. He's done with the temple because the, the true temple, the flesh of Christ, has now been has now you know been established on the cross, and he he's done with that. It's fulfilled. It's all finished, and so I, I interpret that that rending of the temple. I think you're right. It is yeah. about access. Uh, Mark has that same word for when the heavens were torn open at Jesus' baptism, and that curtain was torn. Yeah, um, and so it's about access. It's about uh, you know what Christ's sacrifice has accomplished. But I think there's a sense of finality there. The temple is finished. And it's just a matter of time before a Roman bulldozer will take care of the details. But God's done because because His Son has died. I got some news for you. It's our, not Let only me, is the temple finished. I want to say but it. We're out of time. We're finished. <laughs> <laughs>